What's going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk. Yeah, you're hearing me. I am your host, Andrew Wright. I am back today. I am so sorry I missed last week, but uh, probably explain why I was gone last week. Uh, but I am here with my co-host in his living room, Cody Johnson. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Yep, you heard it right. Drew is back. I told you guys he would be here, and he's blessing us with his presence once again. We've got a really good episode for you guys. We've got some Super Bowl conversation, of course, with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, and then we got some uh, whole Hall of Fame discussion as well with the inductees, and then also a little bit of free agent talk for the Las Vegas Raiders. So stay there and please enjoy. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We appreciate it. As always, I'm so happy to be back. Um, I had a crazy week last week, so uh, it just was not in the cards for me to uh, record, of course, on a Super Bowl week. So I apologize for you two people who really wanted to hear me and not Cody. <laughs> just kidding. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Probably everyone was like, thank God this guy's gone. But anyway, uh, Cody, before we get into everything, man, uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's really tired. I know that you and I polled each other about what's going on, and we both have new pups in the lives, so we're yeah. dealing with that right now. And just glad that we're both back able to do this and uh, cannot wait to get started. And been a crazy, crazy uh, week so far with sports, obviously the Super Bowl that we're going to just talk about, but so far so good, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, as you mentioned, I uh, got a new puppy and um, we got him, his name is Hamilton and we mainly call him Ham. Uh, and for those of you avid listeners, uh, I also have a son named Cameron who we call Cam. So I have Ham and Cam. Uh, and um, so that kind of gets confusing <laughs> because sometimes my wife will be like, can you take Cam outside? I'm like, you want me to take our son outside? The dog. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, Cam, <laughs> so sorry. This well, is- you said Cam. I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> on what you said. She's like, go- don't. <laughs> don't act like an idiot you know <laughs> so anyway um the we got him uh, well we technically we had adopted him on wednesday um we made probably like four trips to PetSmart that day um and uh we found that well he's gonna have to get fixed and uh he had this thing called cherry eyes uh, that they were also going to repair as well before we had you know gonna take him home so they had fixed him all up. We were supposed to get him Thursday. Um, the same day he was having all these surgeries. Um, and I was like, there's no way. And so, yeah, of course, they called me and they said, hey, can you pick him up tomorrow? We'll set up a time. And said, yep, no problem. Set it up. And, of course, on, on Friday we go and pick him up. And uh, this dog has no idea what's happening. <laughs> he's, like, in this car. And he's like, like oh, he's people i saw yesterday or a couple of days ago and now they're taking me somewhere what, they're, what they're is going kidnapping on me. <laughs> yeah so you know he was so excited and just there's a couple accidents in the house and uh i'm not a very patient person when it comes to uh uh you know someone pottying in in my house especially a dog 
So I was a little like, oh, it was, dri- it was driving me nuts. And then my son is going crazy. So I got to deal with him. And then my daughter, she's like, hey, dad, why well, I got to do this? And I'm like, go brush your teeth. It's time for bed. So there was just chaotic. So Friday night was not the easiest. Um, funny story. I know I'm kind of going long, but it was a funny story because that day my wife and I we were like, well, we do need a potty train. And I was like, I want to kind of find out like the best way to potty train. So we watched a couple of videos on YouTube and I was watching this one video that I really liked. And so it was continuing on. And um, in like the middle of it, I'm kind of focused on the video. And all of a sudden I see the dog because he had been like going all around the house, like just trying to check things out. All of a sudden in the middle of the floor, I see him stop and I'm like, and I was watching the video for a second. Then I go, wait, and I look and he's taking a big old piss right on the middle of my floor and i was like yeah mother and so i grab the dog and i throw him outside and i was like the stupid dog and i was losing my mind and uh so i was like of course i'm watching this freaking video and then that's what he's gonna do and I, so my wife had to calm me down i was like listen he's just a pup you know calm down you got he's not used to it yet and i was like i know it's just frustrating <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I wanted it instant, but, uh, you know, since Friday, obviously we're recording this Wednesday, so almost a week now, he's actually starting to get really comfortable here, which is good. Um, and, um, I think we've had since, uh, honestly, since that Friday, um, he's had one accident. Yeah. One accident in the house. So, that's good (laughs) yeah so i'm a lot happier um it was it was a rough night last night because not only did i have to uh take the dog out to go to the bathroom but i also had to deal with my son who was up like every hour like "Eh, eh." so yeah man that's i'm running on fumes right now (laughs) okay well there we go (laughs) so all right i know that was a long explanation but i appreciate everyone it's just you know i I've had a dog before, but when the my last dog that I've had, which is still at my parents, mm-hmm. um, we got her when she was one. So she was actually already potty trained. So I don't necessarily remember like having to deal with all this. So when, yeah. I, when we got the pup, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I know I can do it. It's not that problem. And I didn't realize like you're supposed to take them out like every two to three hours at night. Uh, so that way they kind of get used to like, you know when it's time and so it was it was a struggle but we got it we're getting it down it's it's not that big of an issue anymore but yeah, uh, just, you just gotta wake up i'm coming from the opposite end where we already have a dog that's trained and well not i okay i got a preference she's not 100 percent trained she can take herself out she sometimes listens and then we bring in a brand new pup that basically doesn't listen to anything and we got to have it go outside. So now we're like starting all over. And then we have a dog that's like freaking out because there's a new dog in its house. And so we're dealing with that. And yesterday was like Armageddon for us. Today is a lot calmer. We're not at DEFCON 5 right now. We're probably teetering on a two. So we're a little bit better. And training's, training's coming along. But it's just, you know, some yeah. of the things that I want done like instantly is like stop biting and go outside when you're supposed to and stuff like that. And that's just... Yeah that's just not in the cards. It's just gonna, it's a patience game, which is odd because I'm known to be patient, but for when it comes to like training a dog, no, it needs to, it needs to happen the first time I said it. And that's that. Yeah. 
I, I'm with totally you. Man. I, I, com- I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, enough dog talk. That's uh, that's just the human side of Drew Code, guys. So you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, man, oh, man, there was a uh, there was a pretty big game that happened on uh, Sunday, Cody. I don't know if you heard about it. Um, no, I didn't. What was that called? It's um, They call it the Super Bowl. Um, uh-huh. I've never heard of it. I don't know. Well, anyway, weird. <laughs> well, as Raider fans, yeah, we haven't heard of it since what 2001, 2002. Okay. So that one hurt a little bit. Let's not, uh, <laughs> let, let's not, uh, let's not go there right now. <laughs> that stung a little bit. I mean, it's true. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, it was, uh, you last week you took over the reins and, and Cody again, you did a great job. I know I had told you that, but um, I haven't said it on the pod. You did a good job. You were totally uh, pessimistic when you, you were telling me oh, I recorded it, but it, it sucks. sucks. You can tell I was I was terrible, blah blah blah. And I would listen to it. And I was like, dude, you were fine. Like you're just you're nitpicking. I do it all the time. You did good. So, um, and use my formula, which man, I was so proud of you. By the way, <laughs> um, yes. If you don't know, as Cody explained last week, my formula is who has the better quarterback, then who has the better defense out of the two teams. Then who has the better coach? Uh, the better quarterback right now is Patrick Mahomes. You cannot tell me it's Tom Brady. Even after that game, after that game, prove to me that Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback right now. Tom Brady had a better offensive line. He still has a good arm. I'm not saying Tom Brady sucks. I'm not saying that Tom Brady is no good anymore. He's got, he still has his brain. I got it. I understand that, but as a as a quarterback altogether who can who can run who can read the defenses who can run his offense efficiently uh who's got an, who's got the best arm it's all patrick mahomes okay he he's he's good in that situation now with tom brady he had all his healthy guys <laughs> patrick mahomes on the other hand his uh, offensive line was pretty beat up, and we'll probably go into that in a little bit. So uh, I had Patrick Mahomes, and then we you look at the defenses. Tampa Bay, without question, was the better defense. I think they were ranked fourth or fifth in uh, defense in the regular season, and the Chiefs were ranked 16th. And one big thing that I saw a stat on when we were watching the Super Bowl was actually the Chiefs were like 21st or 22nd against the run and i was like oh man if and i saw a couple of runs by fournette and jones and i go this is it this is how the chiefs are going to lose is that run game and again we'll probably talk about that later um and then of course the head coaches you can say that bruce arians is a good offensive coach that i'm not denying that but i think overall andy Reid is a better head coach overall when you talk about offense when you talk about uh, defensive schemes and you talk about uh, just how his team plays overall you got to go with Andy Reid um, so and you hit the nail uh, on the head every single time on those so I appreciate you you saying that Cody um, but um, you know it just didn't turn out well for the Chiefs and mm-hmm. uh, as Raider fans we can look at that and go ha 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 you know, forget you, <laughs> forget you, Kansas City. You guys suck, couldn't score a touchdown, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, I mean, Cody, what were some of your takeaways from this game? Uh, I mean, a 31-9 to Super Bowl uh, doesn't really say it went well for these. 
Yeah, no, I would say one of the big takeaways that I had was that Patrick Mahomes, without any of his starters for the offensive line, it definitely showed. And the first thing that, you know, the Buccaneers did is they attacked that offensive line ferociously. You can just tell from the opening snap that they were coming for him and Mahomes didn't have any, um, any protection at all. He rushed for so many yards. And I, there was a stat that we saw on, um, I think it was next, uh, next gen stats that said that he, he ran basically almost 500 yards to evade rushers, um, in the entire game. And he was pressured like something eight or nine or 12 of his dropbacks. And he had, I think he was sacked six times or three times and he was pressured another eight. Um, which just tells you like when you put pressure on a quarterback, doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, whoever the quarterback is that they just turn into a below average quarterback because now you don't give them time to read the defense. You don't give them time to deliver the ball. I will say though, that his receivers did let him down. There was a couple of throws that he actually did get off that literally hit his receivers right in the helmet or some (laughs) of them hit him in the hands and they just dropped it. It just was like, they did not come through for him. It was kind of disappointing because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he couldn't do it all on his own. And, you know, when push came to shove, it just didn't, the Chiefs just didn't have, ironically, enough firepower because they didn't have any protection. Like Kelsey had 10 receptions. He was targeted the most with 15 targets. Kelsey or uh, Hill was targeted 10 times, but only brought in seven of those. You know, there was times where um, Demarcus Robinson had a couple of throws his way and he, or, and he dropped one of them. Another one for Hardman, mm-hmm. he had about two catches that he should have done and he dropped both of them. So th- stuff mm-hmm. like that, like there's at least two, at least one touchdown, maybe even two touchdown passes that were dropped that could have changed the entire game. Um, and honestly, the the Buccaneers didn't really do too much. Tom Brady threw for three touchdowns in the first half. After yeah. that, it was just basically a field goal game and Leonard Fournette controlled the line of scrimmage for them. I did mention though in the last episode that the Buccaneers are uh, the Chiefs would basically have to use their run game to kind of throw Tampa off, which their run game actually produced pretty well. They averaged over six yards a carry on 17 carries. Um, however, Mahomes threw it 49 times. So, granted, they were behind majority of the game, so you couldn't really rely on the run game. But you know, because it turned them basically one dimensional. Patrick Mahomes had basically nowhere to throw because everybody was covered. He was throwing in triple coverage half the time. So just my big takeaway from it is the Buccaneers attacked the most vulnerable thing the Chiefs had. And you just saw that Patrick Mahomes still did really well. Like in garbage time, he tried to do his best and he still made some throws. But without an offensive line, no protection, he was nothing more than an average quarterback. And, you know, the same argument can be made is like they look just like the Raiders, you know, the Raiders had an offensive line that sometimes was bad, but the Raiders were able to score points. Our defense was terrible. The Chiefs defense was terrible. They couldn't stop anything. I don't think the Buccaneers punted once this entire game. And um, and uh, the Chiefs actually, I think, punted a game high like four to- or four or five times. So, you know, it was that's just the tale of two heads of like, one team just outright controlled the other team and it wasn't even close, even from, you know, after like the first quarter, it just felt like, okay, I don't know if the chiefs can even make this happen. Cause this defense is really in their face. There is no real answer for it. And it just continued the whole game. It just looked terrible. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> actually, the Buccaneers did punt. They punted actually four times, which surprised the hell out of me. Oh, my gosh. But it, it, it didn't make a difference. No. Yeah. Well, okay. In the beginning, I mean, the the very first drive from the Buccaneers, uh, the Chiefs pretty much stalled them, you know, and made them just like kick a field goal. So I thought it was a really good start for the Chiefs defense. I mean, they were bending but not breaking, you know, type of a thing. Um, but, you know, Tyron Matthew is, is a better Jonathan Abram. Uh, that's kind of who my comparison to Jonathan Abram is, is Tyron Matthew. But I think he's obviously he's been in the game a little bit longer. So we'll see if that, you know, continues. But Matthew, I think, hurt his team early. There was a couple of times where you could see him out of position or he was catching or he was keeping his eyes uh, um, on the quarterback versus like who he was supposed to guard. Um, and kind of kind of the issues that, you know, we have with Jonathan Abram this year was, you know, he kept looking in the backfield versus who where who or where he's supposed to be on. Uh, so, you know, I saw a lot of that. There was exactly what you said. There was no pressure on Brady. I mean, Brady, he just felt like he had time to throw every single play. Um, that offensive line kept getting a great push for Leonard Fournette and even Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Fournette was 16 for 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jones had 12 rushes, 61 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, both of them, um, you know, and then Brady had a negative two and Miller had a negative three. Uh, so the whole team ended up with 145 rushing yards. I mean, that's that's great. That's great. You want to be around 150 as the team Mm -hmm. so um you know they they did exactly that and i think on the other side when you look at the chiefs offense first and foremost offensive line was terrible and i've heard a couple of people say well patrick mahomes that he didn't play really well i don't know what patrick mahomes could have done to do any better like honestly i really don't because he tried to he tried to make things happen that i mean i guess sometimes you know if like tom brady would have just taken a sack he was able to extend plays and still had no time i mean it was like one guy would rush him and so he would kind of juke him out and then all of a sudden another guy would come out and he would try and juke him and then by the time that happened there was two more guys who were coming in on him so he was like uh what do i gotta i'm you know gotta find someone and it just seemed like i mean the one throw that we i mean everyone saw where he's throwing basically mid fall, mm-hmm. he throws it super accurately by the, by the way, which when it first left his hands, I was like, Oh, that's so intercepted. And I see a chiefs guy go up and, and I see where the ball is going. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be caught. Holy crap. And it hits the, it hits Daryl Williams right in the face. I mean, yeah. literally couldn't have been any more accurate. Literally couldn't have placed it better in the dude's hands and completely whiffed on it. It was so bad. It was a bad showing by the Chiefs. And I know Travis Kelsey had 10 catches for 133 yards. But here is my thing. After watching that, he had a couple of really big drops. When they needed him the most, he had big drops. Tyreek Hill also did. And this is why Travis Kelsey, to me, is no longer the best tight end in the game because he 
was so benefiting from Tyreek Hill. I don't know if you were watching the whole game, but if you were, a lot of the times they were showing that they were doubling Tyreek Hill pretty much the whole game. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill was double covered almost all game long. Travis Kelsey, on the other hand, was running these little like two yard slants or uh, a two yard. Uh, as I know uh, from like a from like a Madden standpoint, like a zip out uh, where they have you know a, a receiver go to the corner and then a little uh, run, uh, man. I was gonna say running back, <laughs> another receiver come uh, about like four yards and then basically run a curl route, but they like head towards the middle, like they're running a slant and then they stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and he runs a lot of that. I mean, it was just a lot of dinking dunks. Yes. He had, a, he had one big uh, uh, catch that went for 33, but in the end, I mean, I don't know, man, Kelsey, he really, really was disappointing in this game. I, I know that sounds crazy because he had 10 catches, 133 yards, but he didn't look good and he didn't look like the best tight end. And I, I had told you this, uh, I know on Marco Polo, um, where I believe that Darren Waller could arguably be the number one tight end in the, in the NFL. Now, mm-hmm. I think he proved it with Marcus Mariota, uh, at the game against the chargers. Um, and he just had a huge game. I mean, he could literally play receiver if he wanted to, but they're like, Hey, we need you at tight end. And he actually is a decent blocker. He's not a, he's not like someone that you, uh, we can't rely on him on run plays. Like you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and Travis Kelsey actually isn't that good of a blocker like a George Kittle. And mm-hmm. then you talk about George Kittle. The only thing I would put Darren Waller ahead of him is Kittle gets injured a lot. Waller is, has I don't think has missed a game since we've had him. Um, so for me, um, you know, it really diminished my thought of Travis Kelsey and also Tyreek Hill. This is he didn't have a good game, and I understand that he was double covered, but the best ones can still get those plays. There was that one play where they were like, uh, I think they were on their own three, two or three yard line. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets this little quick pass. It was a really quick pass to Tyree kill. And he starts going and he was doing too much dancing. He's trying to dance too much. If he would have just cut up field, he would have got more yardage. They would have tackled them. Yes. I don't, I'm not saying he would have scored. He would have got more yards, but he's too busy trying to, you know, go around everyone and trying to find the hole. And it's just like, dude, just go forward. You guys just need to keep going. Mm-hmm. And also Tyreek Hill had some couple of big drops too. I just wasn't impressed. And this is why I, I never will say Tyreek Hill is the best receiver. Tyreek Hill benefits because he's a fast receiver. It helped him with Alex Smith because they could run a lot of these short passes and Tyreek Hill could make it a little bit further. Um, and then when they have Patrick Mahomes, um, Patrick Mahomes has got a huge arm. So now he can throw a deep to Tyreek Hill. So now it looks like Tyreek Hill got better, but I think it's just his speed. And to be perfectly honest, he's he's not impressive as a receiver. He's he, he's a fast guy. There's no question. If I had a fantasy team, I'm going to pick him because he has Patrick Mahomes. But if we're talking about pure talent, talking about you know playing the receiving position. To me, he's not top five. 
And I know, I know you like Tyreek Hill a lot better, but his hands are, are average at best. And I never, I just never thought that he was that talented as a receiver. He's just an athletic, fast guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he uses that to his advantage. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't do that, but um, yeah, it just really diminished how I felt about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, to be perfectly honest. I felt bad for Patrick Mahomes because he was trying anything and everything. And just it seemed like the great plays that he made were dropped or were just, you know, bad, bad plays by the receivers or they weren't on the same page as him. Offensive line, I mean, God, they couldn't stop to run any nails if it if they had to. I mean, it was right. it was terrible. Um, as a Raider fan, it felt good to see the Chiefs lose. But as a football fan, I just thought it was just like it was so disheartening that it wasn't more a competitive game. All right, Cody. So another thing happened uh, earlier this week, actually a day before uh, the Super Bowl, uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, the inductees came. Well, we found out who was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I'm going to list them all here. Uh, first, you have Peyton Manning, who I, I we will talk about. Um, Charles Woodson, former Raider, obviously former Packer as well, but we'll always remember him as a Raider. Uh, I mean, absolutely well-deserved first ballot. I mean, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, both first ballot. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, first mm-hmm. ballot. Man, that that was a little shocking, but um, good for him. Uh, Drew Pearson, uh, Alan Fanica, Bill Nunn, uh, John Lynch, uh, who well-deserved again. God, I remember watching him play safety. He was so good. And finally, last but certainly not least, and it should, it should have happened so many years before this, Tom Flores gets into the Hall of Fame finally. Um, man, especially here in Fresno, uh, specifically Sanger, actually where my wife's family is from. It was a huge ordeal. Tom Flores, if you don't know, was from Sanger. Um, there's been so many, uh, at, on the Sanger football field, they had like a uh, tribute to Tom Flores, uh, trying to get him into the hall of fame. Uh, there's actually a mural in Sanger that they, uh, that they made for, uh, Tom Flores, which I'm actually hope, hoping to get to this weekend so I can take a picture with it. Hopefully we'll post that on Drew Code. Um, uh, and man, he's just, he, what he means to Sanger, I mean, this guy, he he doesn't forget where he came from. I mean, he is so involved in um, in just the city of Sanger. Like every everything that happens in Sanger, like, for some reason, he's still involved. Like it's it's really funny, but uh, it's also very cool. Like this guy, he never forgot who he was, never forgot uh, where he came from, and uh, he he always goes to uh, help out his community that he grew up in. So uh, I know Singer Ball Field is actually called you know Tom Flores Field, so um, which is just awesome. You know, I know it's a high school football field, but to have anything named after you is, is always really, uh, really cool. He's, uh, the first, uh, Latino, uh, quarterback and coach, um, to win a Super Bowl doing both. Um, and, um, he just, he, he was so, he should have been in 
so, so long ago. He should have been in. And uh, unfortunately, it took him this long. But, hey, he still got in. We're so proud of him. I know Raider Nation was super happy. I mean, they even had a, uh, a commercial about Coors Light. They try and get him in. I mean, uh, he was just – he means so much. Like, just not, even, not only Sanger, but to the whole, you know, county of Fresno. I mean, he's just – he is a huge influence on uh, the Central Valley and, and uh, couldn't be prouder of him being in. But, um, Cody, I know you had a few few things to talk about with the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so, you know, one of the cool things is, you know, it's kind of surreal that Peyton Manning's been gone, I guess, long enough to now be inducted in the Hall of Fame, which I know he's your, he's your guy. And I remember us watching him, and, you yeah. know, he's definitely, like, uh, one of the – quarterbacks we can probably say change the way quarterbacking is played and not in a mobile <laughs> way just in a cerebral way because mm-hmm. for those that don't remember if you've ever played nfl 2k5 um <laughs> whenever you chose peyton manning he always like did his signal calls and like audibling at the line of scrimmage even if you were in hurry up mode so that's like how much peyton manning <laughs> like changed the game and to be truthful that. i've never seen a quarterback before peyton manning that was did that many like protection switches, uh, audibles yeah. at the line of scrimmage, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, hard counts. I've never seen a quarterback do anything like that until Peyton Manning. And now it became normal where like he really pushed where quarterbacking goes for, you know, what, how prepared and intelligence you are and stuff. But one of the things I was actually kind of surprised in was Calvin Johnson. And I don't want to say it's because Calvin Johnson is a terrible receiver. I mean, for anybody that's played, fantasy football while he was ever around you you wanted to pick him number one he was that kind of a player (laughs) I think what I'm surprised in is he doesn't have any accolades other than you know obviously being involved in the all pro um pro bowl a handful of times um you know he's got a ton of a ton of yards a, a ton of touchdowns but he only played nine years in the NFL and I guess I'm surprised because there's been more receivers with better stats I suppose that got in later than a first ballot and i'm not saying that again i'm not saying calvin johnson or megatron is not you know all world type of receiver and there's been some clips of like literally there's two cornerbacks on the line of scrimmage you know about to press him so that way he doesn't get away that's how fierce he was but you know i just feel like i'm surprised that the hall of fame went first ballot and again he totally deserves to be in the hall of fame period i guess i was just a little surprised and and I think it also saddens me too that how much better could Calvin Johnson have been on a winning franchise? Granted, like his stats went up yeah. tremendously with Matt Stafford, but imagine mm-hmm. if Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson were even on different teams or let's, <laughs> yeah. say, let's say Megatron was on the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, or let's say if he was just with an, any other franchise that was successful and had like knew how to develop players how much better, how many more stats, touchdowns, yards would he have had considering that a lot of reasoning why, you know, Calvin Johnson retired so young is because he was just done with the Lions organization. They beat him up and he was just done, you know, and like granted that he deserves to be in the hall of fame, but I guess it's like, I'm just surprised. I've seen receivers with better stats and accolades that get in later and he got in on the first try. And again, I guess, I, I guess I just don't want to get it misunderstood. I guess I was just surprised on that he's a first ballot when there's been other receivers that better stats, like I mentioned, and they come yeah. later. So 
I guess that's my only thing, but still well-deserved, very happy for him, totally deserves it. I mean, you can't say anything about the NFL in the 2010 decade without mentioning Calvin Johnson, how prolific he was, you know, on, on the team and how much people had to worry about him. So. Yeah. Uh, One thing, one other thing I did want to say about Tom Flores that I wanted to mention. Well, actually my wife wanted me to mention, she actually got a, uh, a, uh, a grant for uh, Tom Flores some it's not an award it's basically it was a grant that she got and it was named after tom flores and she was like so proud she's like oh yeah i got one of that from tom flores that's how well actually meets the singer i was like i okay babe i'll I'll make sure i say that but um i mean that just goes to show you i mean like singer like everything is tom flores like there's so many raider fans there um the football field is named after tom if tom flores is in a commercial for anything in singer i mean everyone in Sanger will go there. I mean, like that's just his influence. So, um, you know, again, so happy that Tom Flores finally got in well-deserved, um, and notables. I did want to bring up John Lynch was phenomenal. I used to love watching John Lynch play safety. And I, um, I had to play safety my freshman year in uh, high school and, um, God, I would watch him. And I was just like, okay, I need to, I need to do that. Uh, I mean, like, that's how you play safety. I mean, he was so good. Not only was he a good tackler, was he this uh, guy who could stop the run, but he also was really good in coverage. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of lost because he was such a big hitter. Um, But John Lynch was one of those um, just pure all-around safeties. And speaking of safeties, Charles Woodson, man, he was, God, when he came to the Raiders, I mean – he was so cool. I mean, everyone loved Charles Woodson and he was so good. And then, you know, the last couple of years before he went to, to green Bay, you could kind of see him kind of get a little frustrated about being on the Raiders uh, because it was just kind of, I don't want to say it was a losing culture, but we were losing a lot and he just couldn't um, he couldn't stand anymore. He had to go somewhere where he could win and, and he ended up winning one in, in Green Bay, and and he deserved it. I mean, he was he was so good. I hated Charles Woodson for a while when he went to Green Bay because I was so mad that he left because I was like, dude, we could have – I mean, there were like a couple of years after Charles Woodson left, like we had like um, Namdi Asamoah, who was so good with, with the Raiders. Um, oh, God, who's Phillip, the other guy I was thinking of? Huh? Philip Buchanan. Yeah, Philip Buchanan. I mean, he was he was okay, but um, he would have worked well with Charles Woodson. I mean, it was we had some really good cornerbacks uh, that came later on, and uh, I felt like Charles Woodson really would have helped them. Uh, and then luckily he did come back, and I was so fortunate enough. I'm so glad I did. Um, my wife and I, and actually Brad, friend of the podcast, um, we we all decided that we were going to uh, we were going to go to a Raider game. I mean, me and my wife really wanted to go. And, um, you know, I asked Brad, I said, Hey, did you want to tag along? He's like, yeah, shoot, that sounds good. And I was like, well, we want to go to the Raiders and Broncos. Uh, we want to see Peyton Manning. I, I always wanted to see Peyton Manning because like you said, he was my all time favorite quarterback ever. Um, you know, when I grew up, I watched a lot of Steve Young 
and uh, he was really good. But once I saw Peyton Manning, I was like, that guy's awesome. I love that guy. And just the way he played, the way he talked, he was so relatable. Um, and uh, But anyway, talking about Charles Woodson, um, I wanted to see Peyton Manning and I wanted to see you know the Raiders play. And so it was perfect timing. And it, this was the last year of, of Peyton Manning. Um, and so we, we go play in Oakland. I know that sounds weird now mm-hmm. um, at the Coliseum, uh, which is a complete crap fire dumpster fire stadium. <laughs> I'm so glad they're out of it. Uh, but um, we were there, we we're kind of high up, but you know, we didn't care. We were having fun. And um, I remember just before we left and we went on the BART, I was looking up some stats and stuff. And I saw that I was like, Oh man, I didn't even realize that Charles Woodson has picked off like every quarterback in the NFL except for Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I didn't know that. That's so crazy. And I was like, how weird would it be if he picks him off? And not only did he pick off Peyton Manning once, but he picked him off twice. And one of them was a game ceiling interception. It was such an incredible interception. And I just remember my friend Brad, who's a Bears fan. He's not even he's not a Raiders fan. He's not a Broncos fan. He just wanted to go see an NFL game. He came with us. And when he saw Charles Woodson, he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he caught it. He was, like, so into the game. I was like, you're a Raider fan now? He was like, I'm still a Bears fan. But yeah, it's like, let's not get it. like, that ourselves. was really cool. That was really cool. So, um, yeah, that was that was such a cool moment to see Charles Woodson do that. But also to see Peyton Manning, like, what he does. Even though Peyton Manning, his last year wasn't great, he still got his guys in the right position. And it wasn't like a dominating win by the Raiders. It was a close game and the Broncos ended up winning or uh, I'm sorry. They ended up losing in that game, but um, it was, it was really cool just to see it. I mean, just to see how Peyton Manning works. And like I said, I grew up watching Peyton Manning and I know I'm going over time, so I'm very sorry, but God, Peyton Manning was phenomenal. He, uh, I still have his uh, Colts jersey that I bought. Uh, I'm a Raider fan through and through, but I was a huge Peyton Manning fan. And I said, I don't care. I'm getting a Peyton Manning jersey. And I got it. And uh, I'm so glad I did. And uh, the day that um, uh, they, they introduced to the Hall of Fame uh, Hall of Fame inductees were, I put on my Peyton Manning jersey and I wore it um, because – uh, you know, Manning, he made me love football. Like I, I like, I liked football. And then I was in love with Jerry Rice. He was one of my favorite receivers and I always wanted to play receiver. And as I got older, I wasn't really feeling receiver. I wanted to kind of be more like quarterback, but you know, or at least be on the same page as a quarterback. I still did like to play receiver and Peyton Manning was like, that's who I want a quarterback to be. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was just, Honestly, without Peyton Manning, Tom Brady wouldn't be as smart as he is in football. And I know that sounds stupid and like, come on, dude. But really, Tom Brady, he learned from Peyton Manning of how he played the game, like why he does everything he does on the line. Mm -hmm. And so Tom Brady said, "Okay, I need to up my game. I need to do that. And he started really getting into watching defenses. And he, he'll, I'm sure he'll even say this, Tom Brady, the reason he watches so much film that he does is because of Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. He wanted to read defenses like him. He didn't understand 
why he was so good at what he does until he started really studying and, and breaking down. It's funny. Those two are friends now. And, you know, I, I mean, I know when COVID first hit, they had that like golf tournament, right. which was so funny with Peyton and, and Tom. It was really funny. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I think this was a great class. I understand what you're talking about with Calvin Johnson, but I guess you could argue that he did kind of change the game for receivers a little bit. Um, it was rare to see a receiver who was as tall as he was, who could actually do what everyone thought he could do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like, it's kind of like that Le- LeBron James, like, oh, you have all this hype. Can you, can you back it up? And he absolutely did. Yeah. All right, guys. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some possible free agents. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming back. Um, appreciate it. that. Was that was a great uh, that was a great commercial, Cody? By the way, I know I did, did it myself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, um, so football season is over. The off season season is among us, and um, there are a lot of free agents that I have been looking at for the Raiders. Um, some notable mentions that I've seen all over Twitter already. I mean, like since Sunday, like right after the Super Bowl, I've been seeing a bunch of Raider fans. We need to go after this guy and this guy and this guy. Uh, a lot of notable names that I have been seeing is Leonard Williams, Melvin Ingram. Um, a lot of people want Allen Robinson. Um, T.Y. Hilton has been out there recently. Um, so some big names, I've seen Patrick Peterson and Richard Sherman as well. So some big names, um, but Cody, I really wanted to ask the, the, um, well, not the fantasy football question. I want to ask the actual football question mm-hmm. of, and, and that's, that's what people need to get through their head is free agency. Yes. For us fans, we're like, Oh, we need, we should get this guy. We should get this guy. We need to get, go after him and do this and, you know, all that jazz, you know, we want to, but in reality, it has to be not only a good organizational fit and a, and a good player, but also he has to fit the football team. Mm -hmm. And that has been, I think a big issue. I mean, early on this year, Corey Littleton, a lot of people were saying we need to get rid of him. We need to get rid of him, but he finally started getting the defense that we were running um, and it just took him a while, but honestly, towards the end of the year, Corey Littleton played really well, how we thought he was going to play, but um, unfortunately it was kind of too little too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but which is exciting this for next year. Um, but Cody, I mean, who are some names that are popping out to you a lot, um, that, that you think are actually going to be available? I mean, we look at like Dak Prescott. I mean, I don't think he's going to be available and I don't think we would go after him or like a Von Miller, um, as much as he's supposed to be a free agent, I'm sure Denver is going to uh, retain him before he actually hits the free agent market. So who are some names that are popping out to you that you think the the uh, Raiders will be getting or should be getting? So I actually would like to see a couple of things. One, I think for our we definitely need to get some interior pressure. I really love that if we can go after Leonard Williams, I think that's that would be a really good step in the right direction. We've got a lot, though, that we would need to surrender in terms of cap space. But I think if the Raiders are willing to spend, that could be a really good player 
who's young enough that we can build the interior defensive round because again, it's the pressure in the middle that we have a hard time getting to. I think Crosby, when he gets healthy, we'll probably see a better Crosby in his third year, but we definitely need someone like Leonard Williams to kind of help and be, be there. Um, I would also like to see maybe, and I would like to see the Raiders go after Melvin Ingram. I am a huge fan of him. I, I think he did a great job for the chargers. I think he made that defense really good up until they obviously got um, the, one of the Bosa brothers. I think it's Joey Bosa who's on that team. And uh, you know, that team really elevated when obviously he was, they were both on the lineup, but you know, Melvin Ingram still made that defense really prevalent. Um, I would actually like to see though, Richard Sherman get signed. And I know that uh, he's older and he's probably is only going to last a few more years, but I think it's more of the experience I want. Cause you can just tell some of those corners, they just need somebody that, can teach them the game and make them think differently because sometimes they're out of place. Sometimes they play too much up and they just, you know, are, are, I mean, other than, um, uh, who was the cornerback that we drafted? Um, Mullins other than, he, yeah, he was really the only one that was really showing some progress. Everybody else. though, like Arnett, he didn't kind of show up very much. We had a lot of injuries. So I really think we need a veteran like which uh, Richard Sherman would be, I think a really good pickup. I would like that. And I'm also as a wild idea, I would really like to, uh, for us to explore signing Allen Robinson. And here's why I would really like to shift um, Henry Ruggs over to the slot. I'd love to re-sign Nelson Aguilar and put him as receiver two. And I want to make Allen Robinson receiver one because he is a legit one. And he proved that being on the Bears. Um, and then I would really love to see the offense kind of focal point around that. And then obviously we're having Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. I really think that'd be a very, very good offense for John Gruden. And I really think that would help not have the offense lag during times when we need to get yardage. And you know, we still have receivers such as like Hunter Renfro that is like a good kind of a, you know, to change it, change tempo in a sense. So I would really like to see that. But, you know, the Leonard Williams, Melvin Ingram are some two defensive players that I'm thinking of. Um, you know, I know that you mentioned like Vaughn Miller, but I don't think he'd come to the Raiders. Um, but, you know, at this point, any interior lineman that uh, has experience that is, you know, um, somebody that's looking to prove themselves, maybe like we really need to look into getting them. And I think that's what the Raiders should look into in this off season. Yeah. Um, not a lot. I disagree with, I mean, um, <clears throat> I, I was actually thinking about this as you were kind of, uh, talking about, um, Alan Robinson, uh, mainly, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate signing Alan Robinson, but, um, I have been seeing some ideas floated around and I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent against it. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent for it, but it is interesting. I've seen a lot of people say we need to get rid of Trent Williams. He's got a huge contract. He really not, he was really good when he played, when he played, but unfortunately he doesn't play often. And that's kind of an issue. Uh, you know, but luckily we had guys who are backups who were getting experience. So it wasn't all bad. Um, but I, I'm not a hundred percent against that because I like Trent Brown. I don't think, um, I, I, I don't say I'm not sitting here going, Oh, I hate that contract. I think it was, I mean, we needed a big guy and he does it. I mean, when he's on the field, you can definitely see the difference in the run game and in the pass game. So, 
you can definitely see that, but unfortunately he gets injured a lot um, and he's got a huge contract. Now there are teams who could, who could use a guy like him, uh, whether it be a left tackle or a right tackle. And my thought is simply this. If you can unload his contract and take someone else's contract, you might be able to make it happen. And the first team that popped in my head, and I know you might shake your head to this, but the first team that makes that pops in my head is the Cleveland Browns. And we could trade him to the Cleveland Browns. They still need help on the offensive line. They were better. No mm-hmm. question. But you could trade him and you could get possibly, possibly, I don't know if they would do this, but OBJ. Then you could have Odell Beckham Jr. You could have that top receiver and then he could also help Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could you could probably sign another uh, receiver, but at that point, I don't think you could t- maybe I don't I have to see the contracts, but I don't think OBJ's contract is as big as what Trent Brown's is, and so you could possibly not only unload that contract onto Cleveland, but get o- OBJ back and also go after someone in the free agency like an Allen Robinson or re-sign Nelson Aguilar or, or, or wherever you want to go with that or T.Y. Hilton possibly who actually kind of had a down year so he may be even cheaper than what we're thinking mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I have been thinking now do I think the Raiders can do that I mean I don't know how you could do that to be honest I don't know if Cleveland would do that to get rid of OBJ I think they do want to get rid of him, but I don't know if they could afford Trent Brown or would be willing to make that trade because you're taking a big contract on a guy who does get injured. So um, that obviously does make an effect, but it is, it is interesting. I'm sure if you called Cleveland for that, they would probably at least think about it. Like, uh, it's not terrible. Sure. Um, But um, we need defense first and foremost. I mean, for me, I'd rather the Raiders go after um, offensive guys and maybe some key defensive – or actually, I'm sorry. I'd rather the Raiders go after defensive guys in free agency and offensive guys in the draft if you're going to – if we're if we're being truthful, truthfully honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Leonard Williams would be fantastic. He's a guy who could put pressure on the quarterback – and if you had Leonard Williams and Max Crosby, that already fits. The only issue with Leonard Williams is he's young, so he's still going to be a little more expensive. So I'd rather go after a guy like a Melvin Ingram, who, let's be honest, he is past his prime, but he still is a good pass rusher, and he works well with another pass rusher, as we've seen, as you said, with Joey Bosa and the, and the uh, Chargers. Um, so, you could have, again, you could have Max Crosby and Melvin Ingram are you going to get the Melvin Ingram that we've seen, you know, maybe a couple of years ago? Probably not, but you're still going to get a guy who's going to add to this pass rush that we virtually don't have. Um, I like the, uh, I like drawing, trying to get like a Patrick Peterson or a Richard Sherman guys who now Richard Sherman, only if he would play safety because mm-hmm. I've seen him play cornerback last year and it wasn't very good. Um, I mean, he he's still very smart. He's a smart guy, but that's why I think if you put him at safety, like what Charles Woodson did towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. I think he could prolong a couple of more years in the NFL um, and be successful at it, you know, because he knows coverages. Now all he has to do is, um, you know, be in the right spot, which, you know, he will be, he's not as, he's not a dumb defensive player. Like he's, 
he has Richard Sherman, the name for a reason. Like mm-hmm. if people know who he is for a reason, not just because of his off field stuff. It's actually because of what he does on the field. You know, there mm-hmm. was a couple of years ago, a few years ago where he was considered the number one cornerback. So, um, you know, I like AJ Boye, who's, who's a really talented corner. He's, he's an older guy. Again, the reason I'm going after these older corners is you have a Trayvon Mullen who did really well, as you said. He had one bad game. Everyone was criticizing him for it. Listen, you're going to have a bad game. It's okay. Um, Trayvon Mullen was our most steady cornerback all year long. Uh, he could also teach uh, Damon Arnett, who I love Damon Arnett, but he was just constantly injured this year, and you can't really do anything about it. If you sign one of those three guys, I mean, they all instantly – help your younger guys and instantly help your defense a little bit. Um, I, you know, the two safeties that I really like in the free agent market right away is Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, both from, from Denver. Mm-hmm. I think though, guys, not only is that an upgrade from Eric Harris or Jonathan Abram, um, I like Abram, but I think we need to put him more in a Tyron Matthews situation where he's kind of like that hybrid linebacker. And if you could sign one of those Simmons, Jackson, or like I said, Sherman, if you can put him at a cornerback or I mean, safety, excuse me, that actually uh, might move Abram into a uh, hybrid situation, which actually could really benefit your team. Um, you know, so those are guys that I've thought also I kind of put on here, like Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if we did get rid of uh, Trent Brown, or even if you don't, and we get rid of, um, Richie Incognito, um, you can make a case for Trent Brown now, or Trent Williams. He might be a little more expensive than he was this offseason. So that is something we would have to think about. But he would be someone I would go after for offensive line, at least a one year contract. Um, and then I also wrote a couple more pass rushers. Uh, Yannick Nagawe. I I really like him. I wanted the Raiders to go after him when he was uh, when he was uh, gone or yeah he was let go from the Ravens. No, he was no, let go from the, the Jaguars. Ravens. That's right. He was let go from the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I wanted the Raiders to get on that. Unfortunately, they didn't. Um, so now you have a second chance at it. I'd go after him. Uh, and Ryan Kerrigan, he's a little bit older. He's another pass rusher. Um, he's again, he's probably going to be out of his prime, but he still is a good pass rusher and he can help Max Crosby and he can help that defensive line. He can help the coverage too, because the greatest thing about having guys who can rush the rush, the passer is it puts pressure on the quarterback, which gives cornerbacks. If they were burnt right off the line, it gives them time to recover. And, uh, that's why when you're, when you're making a team, you want to go quarterback, then you want to go a guy who can get to the quarterback. Then you want to go to a guy who can block quarterback. And then after that, you can go however you want. Um, you know, you could go linebacker. And I would, uh, I honestly, I would say a fourth step. I would go with like cornerback or safety, basically DB. Mm-hmm. But that's why the pass rushers are so important because even if you have really bad DBs, they, putting pressure on the quarterback can cover that up a little bit. We've seen that with Khalil Mack as a Raider. When he was with the Raiders, we didn't have that great of a coverage defense, but because Khalil Mack put so much pressure on quarterbacks, um, it, it made them look a lot better. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's who I would like to see. Do I think the Raiders are going to sign any of these guys? They'll probably sign one. 
because it's the freaking Raiders. I mean, that's right. That's, that's been the reality of it. I mean, we wanted Corey Littleton and we, we got him so quick last year and I was so happy, but um, it took him a little bit longer. Nick Kwiatkowski, I think he did a great job. I think we're okay on linebacker. If we wanted to get a linebacker, I think we need to go after um, one of those linebackers who are linebacker at heart, but basically pass rushers. I think that would be the only linebackers we would have to get. So, Yeah, I mean, this, right, is Cody. Big, this is like a big telling for Mayock's offseason, like how him and Gruden can work together and what they bring in in free agency. Because I know Mayock likes to build through the draft, but I don't know. There's just something with, I guess, the Raiders program because how come every other rookie from – different teams, whether it be offensive or defensive, they're kind of a little bit further along. And then our rookies just seem to look like rookies amongst, you know, professional <laughs> athletes. It's just from what I've yeah. seen, like Henry Ruggs, perfect example. Like, yeah, he had a couple of games where they were good, but you know, I, an argument can be made that, um, that Judy had a better game, you know, see, yeah. lamb had a better, had a better year, you know, and it's just kind of, you know, you want to see your rookie, wide receiver or any of your rookies kind of, you know, show out just like every other team is. And maybe it's the coaching staff or maybe it's the players themselves. But I think this offseason will be really telling for Mayock and Gruden, considering this is going to be their second like offseason together. So I'm curious to see what happens and how they address all the defensive needs that we have. So, yeah. And you know what, just real quick, I know we're, we're already running late, but I did want to say this, and I, I think I mentioned it to you on a Marco Polo uh, a while back, but you had been saying, you, you've you been kind of notorious saying on the podcast that you think John Gruden's on the hot seat, like more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would disagree with you. I mean, you were talking about the Henry Ruggs thing. I know a lot of people, especially the Derek Carr haters, are going to say, well, that's Derek Carr. That's why, you know. No, it was because, first of all, Ruggs was never on the field. And secondly, um, he didn't really, he just, because of the non off season and him not being on the field that much. And then we already had some decent receivers as it was, he really didn't progress how, you know, we wanted him to, um, we saw, like you said, we saw a couple of games with him. It really wasn't Carr's fault. It's just Rugs really wasn't on the field that much. And honestly, Gruden never really put Rugs in the offense as much as he should. I mean, that was one of the big things. We were like, why isn't Rugs playing? Why isn't Rugs playing? Um, and there was a couple of times where he was injured, but there was a couple of times it was just like he wasn't in the offense, offensive scheme. So um, if you want to blame Carr, actually blame Gruden. My thing is this. I think Mike Mayock is on the chopping block. I think this has to be the year he hits because what was his very first draft pick that he had as a Las Vegas Raider GM? Colin Farrell. Well, Cleveland Farrell. He was the fourth pick in that draft. The fourth pick. And what has he done? Farrell got better this year, but would you say he's he's worth that fourth round or fourth pick? No. If he were fourth round, yes. He did, he did what he needed to do, but he's not. He was a first-round, fourth pick of that draft. There were so many more guys we could have gotten. And I like Farrell. I think he's okay, but he doesn't do what a fourth pick does. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's so annoying. And then we had the opportunity to get a Jerry Judy, who you and I wanted the most. Justin Jefferson, 
who was really good, who we liked as well. We, you and I really liked T Higgins. We were starting to grow on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought he was going in the first round and he ended up going, uh, well, first in the second round, but still, I mean, we really were starting to like T Higgins and we go after Henry Ruggs and yes, Ruggs is speedy and everything, but our argument was it was one year with, with Alabama where he really stunned everyone. Mm-hmm. And then also we've seen these receivers who have so much speed. I mean, God, Al Davis made a freaking career out of it. And when football changed where it wasn't just about speed, like you had to have a running game, it wasn't good anymore. Like it, it didn't work anymore. Um, and um, my worry is this. The reason I don't like Tyreek Hill is the reason I'm really concerned about Henry Ruggs is, yes, he's super fast. There's no question. But is he that great of a receiver? And he's had a lot of drops. He's had fumbles. He's really skinny. He's not that strong. So the issue for me is he's going to have to develop as a receiver overall. And if he's not, it's the it's going to be the same stigma as we've seen multiple times before of, yeah, he was super fast, but he couldn't do anything. I mean, Sammy Watkins was a top 10 pick and he's good, but he's not great because mm-hmm. he was fast. And a lot of people fell in love with that. So um, Mike Mayock to me should be on the hot seat because he really hasn't done what we thought he was going to do in the draft, which was draft really well. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, as you've mentioned to me, I feel a lot better about uh, when Reggie McKenzie was the GM about yeah. his draft picks versus Mike Mayox. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. This draft has to hit, in my opinion. If it doesn't, I want Mayock out. Well, Mayock has done okay, but he's also pissed a lot of Raiders off. I mean, he pissed mm-hmm. off Antonio Brown, and and you know, I, I'm not a fan of Antonio Brown. I'm not saying Brown was in the right, but initially. What happened was that relationship got split. And so then Antonio Brown started making those dominoes fall where he basically ended up wanting out. And then you talk about after this year, Mayock goes on some radio show and he says, well, our rookies sucked, basically. And Henry Ruggs posted it on Instagram. He's like, well, great. So not only was he our first pick of last year's draft, but now you've pissed him off. And who knows if he wants to play next year, you know, and you can say, well, that's on the football player, but it's also on the GM. Like as a GM, you got to like get these guys to want to play, not just throw them away. And um, I'm just, I'm not really impressed with Mayock right now. Really not. Sorry, you were going to say something and I interrupted you. Well, I was just going to say, we'll see how this offseason goes and how actually with now a mini camp, a training camp, an actual offseason program, we'll see what it looks like, especially with the second, like the rookies now coming into their second year. I'm really curious to see how they progress because we'll just say like, look, first year for Mayock, basically during the draft, he scouted these guys, he, him and Gruden agreed to select these guys. Let's just see how they develop. Now, I will say if they have some really... Like if the new crop of draft picks that we bring in and also the obviously the sophomores that we have coming back um, from their rookie years basically stink up the joint. Yeah, I think Mayock is out. And I still I still seriously think that we should look at John Gruden as potentially being out as well, just because 
I agree with your points, but also too, I can honestly say like, look, it takes John Gruden, who's so much of an offensive guru, which is what he's been known for. Um, You know, Henry Ruggs, who's a rookie, you have to get him involved in the game plan, which is what I always gripe about when we got rid of Amari Cooper. Like, yeah, Amari Cooper had injuries. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he was hitting miss. He had the drops, but honestly, like when Jack Del Rio was on the team and it was him and Michael Crabtree, he was a thousand yard receiver. As soon as John Gruden came in, John Gruden just for some reason went to him like one week out of a six week stretch. And it was like, (laughs) what are you doing? You know, he's still a good receiver. He's fast. He still gets open and he's productive. And look what he did with the, look what he did with the Dallas Cowboys with an outdated offense of Mike McCarthy. He flourished in that. And even with Andy Dalton, he still had a very, very good season, but why it's because John Gruden doesn't make it a point to get his guys involved like yes he's in love with Darren Waller he's really the only consistent player that gets the catches and and the targets but like you got to get rugs involved and for example you need to get Cooper more involved like I fall I to me that's on the coach it's not Derek Carr to give the ball more to him obviously he has a game plan there's a game script there's plays that he's given and they have a strategic way that they're supposed to attack so said defense but you're not using your best weapons. You're trying to get cute. And in my opinion is going to do John Gruden in. And it's starting to remind me that John Gruden was innovative at his time. And now yeah. it feels like he's the guy that's trying to bring back old school football. And in some respects it works, but then there's a lot of these defenses that are way more creative and it, you can tell it slows down the offense to where we, we need to go more into a spread and we should probably look into going to, to RPOs more often because mm-hmm. then we can start getting Jacobs more involved. We can start getting elusive plays for rugs. Maybe we do need a quarterback more like Mariota or whatever, because he can probably run an offense like that better than let's say Derek Carr. Cause Derek Carr is a typical drop back quarterback, but clearly the offense is outdated and you can tell. So to <laughs> me, this is landing more on John Gruden. I know now we're yeah. basically debating on who we'd keep over the other, but in my opinion, like, yeah, Mayock is great and all. And yeah, I agree. Like he needs to, we need to reevaluate how good he is if his yeah. draft picks and the players don't develop. But in the same breath too, like John Gruden is a hundred million dollar man. This is on him to make yep. it successful. You can't go two years in a row with being a playoff team. And then you, and then the other, the last half of the season, your team is undisciplined and you fall off out of the playoff race and you're eliminated before the end of the season. You know, that just yeah. doesn't work two years in a row, and you're this supposed to have turned the franchise around, so to speak. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah and I, I, get, I completely agree because, like you said, if you're going to get player if you're gonna get player money to be a head coach, you better mm-hmm. be winning a lot, yeah. and you're not. And we, I know these people want to say, oh, it's, it's Derek Carr. Oh, it's the defense. But, I mean, in all reality, it – you're right. I mean, it's it's a mixture of of Mike Mayock. He's not drafting the right players, but mainly Gruden's not coaching these guys up. I mean, why all of a sudden were why were we six and four, and we had beat the undefeated Chiefs, and then all of a sudden we're trailing off? Mm-hmm. Like, why does that happen? Um, that's not that's not just it's not the players. That's also coaching because. Mm-hmm. That's why they have the season as long as it is because it's supposed to be a little bit grueling. It's supposed to get the weaker teams who can't finish how you're supposed to finish out of the way. And uh, right now, you're exactly right. I mean, 
earlier this year, I, I would have been like in the beginning of the year, I would have been like, well, if they go eight and eight, I, I understand the uproar, but they are still learning. But now watching how it was, it's, it's kind of hard to say if John Gruden doesn't get it done this year. Yeah. He might have to go. I mean, yeah. he might have to, I mean, because he's obviously not getting it done mm-hmm. and he doesn't deserve that hundred million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if 10 years is like, where we anticipate that we're going to make a playoff or not. But I mean, like I will say his first year to his second year, we've made great strides. Yeah. But obviously from last year to this year, we should have continued making strides. And I almost feel like in some respect, we took a step back because of how dramatic our drop-off was at the end of the season. It wasn't just like, Hey, we were in a lot of these nail bitings. It was like, look, we were getting dogged by the Jets and we had some miracle play that happened. Had that not happened, we'd be under 500 team. And then we lose to a team like the Colts who we were basically running neck and neck with with a playoff berth after Mm -hmm. beating the Browns early in the season to where we then controlled the tiebreaker. So we could have, Mm -hmm. had we taken care of business, we could have been above both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some respects, had we not, you know, uh, obviously the Chiefs were really good. So we split games with them, which is great. But I mean, I think we're a better team to where we should not have split games with the chargers not with a rookie yeah. quarterback when they were blowing leads like crazy you know like nope. there's there's several games that we can look at where like we were a lot better football team than what we put on the field and i to me that goes on coaching i feel like that like, again we took a big step back our defense was worse this year and we did not address <laughs> it to make it any better and then no. there was no difference to change anything up until we fired the D, we fired gunther we had uh, Marinelli kind of fill in, and it still wasn't even that good. It was still yeah. really terrible. And then we see, like, you know, a lot of players violating the coronavirus, like, um, protocols, which, yeah. you know, I think we uh, saw again, them on, that's on coaching like eight times. Like, that's leadership. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I grant, granted, these players are grown men, but that's leadership, man. Like, yeah, that's, it absolutely on the is. Coaches, I mean, I'm sure every team probably had their scare, but a lot of teams had this thing under control and it seemed like the Raiders just were not internally sound at all. Like leadership. Well, it happened was, to the Raiders twice. Mm-hmm. They had this well, issue twice. And Trent Brown was out because of it. We had a bunch of other players um, that were out that really suffered. Our offensive line was injured, yeah. but again, a lot of it was like discipline. You know, a yeah. lot of these, a lot of what we did is we did it to ourselves, but in my opinion, that's, that's coaching. That's leadership. Yes, that's it is. Guys that's the guys that are coaching up these players and we expect them to be disciplined when our own organization isn't, you know? So yeah, that's in my opinion, why I think Gruden has a lot of, has a lot of explaining to do what's going to happen. And what's unfortunate is we'll probably be subjected to this for the next few years, like in a perfect world, a standard or regular ran organization would probably look at like year four and five of like, Hey, we're not going forward. We need to either change or something's going to happen. And I feel like Al. Uh, I feel like um, Mark Davis will keep this going despite Mayock, and it'll probably just be another 500 team if we're lucky. Yeah. You know, and we'll see. And I think what's going to happen is I can I can definitely see, especially with the whole drama with Derek Carr, which I talked about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see, especially with just John Gruden, Derek Carr drama. I can definitely see this our team unfortunately going like like six and ten where we implode and we restart and then now john gruden's going to bring in all of his players and then we go back into like the dark days of like rebuilding yeah that's what i see happening this upcoming year if we don't if we don't get our stuff together now you know and 
I hope that I hope it doesn't happen, but that's just what I can foresee happening in the next like few years. You know, I, um, yeah, man, that's, that's a scary thought, but, um, it's not, when you talk about the Raiders, it's not impossible. I mean, you look at the McKenzie Del Rio, I mean, Del Rio had one bad year and they were like, Oh, we got to get rid of them. And it was like, dude, like with Del Rio, like the first three years we've been doing really well. All of a sudden this fourth year, it's, it was, it, I mean, granted it was bad. I'm not saying it was great, but, and then they were like, well, we got to get rid of Reggie McKenzie too. You know, John Gruden doesn't really like him. And it was like, why? Because he drafted Khalil Mack. And so he wanted him to get traded. And then, uh, you know, he drafted Amari Cooper and wanted him traded too. Like, uh, what did he do wrong here? Mm-hmm. Not understanding. Uh, you know, not only did he get Derek Carr as well in the second round, who a lot of people thought were going to get, you know, he was going to be gone uh, early second round to the Texans, you know, and we got him anyway after that. And he's been a solid quarterback that we've had for seven years. And, you know, I I don't know, man, it's, it's kind of sad. (laughs) It's kind of sad that this is kind of what's, what's happening right now. And we should be so much better. We should be, we should be one of these playoff teams. I'm not saying we could have won the Super Bowl, but like watching the Super Bowl, I was like, dude, our the our offense would have been a lot better in that game against the Bucks than the Chiefs were. And granted, again, the Chiefs had those injuries and just a lot of drop passes. But like even so, like our backup offensive linemen are good. I was like, our offense is okay. It's not terrible. It's our defense and. You know, the Chiefs defense looked terrible. I was just like, man, we we could have played in this game. Like, if this is what if this is how that team had to be, like we could have been there. Like yeah. I felt I I strongly feel that. Um, so I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah. Well, sorry guys. I know we went way longer than what we wanted to, but um, I felt like that was that was necessary talk, especially talking about Raiders football, and you know, we were talking about possible free agents so it, it needed to happen um i'm sure my wife will tell me it didn't need to happen but uh that's all right <laughs> that's right i'll uh i'll just uh you know i'll just i don't know i'm just buy or something i'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh no um we appreciate you guys hanging in there though especially if you're a raider fan i think that was to be honest cody i think that was just like the realest talk we've had in a long time on here of yeah. uh, just that's like that's those were our emotions like right there and how we really feel about this team right now and i i feel like there's a lot of raider fans who feel the same way of you know yeah you know for those of you who don't like Derek carr who like Derek carr whatever it may be i think you can honestly agree too though that john gruden hasn't done what he told us he was going to do and mike mayock you know as hyped up as he was he hasn't done a great job yet Mm -hmm. so I mean, I think we can all agree with that, but I'm, I'm sure we'll hear it on Twitter if we if you don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, so speaking of Twitter, go go check out all of our social media sites. We are uh, at Drew Code Sports Talk, and uh, that's going to be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We also have a YouTube. Go um, subscribe to our YouTube, like, comment with any videos or any pictures or anything that we post on any social media site. Speaking of subscribing as well, go check out the major podcast 
major podcasts being Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeart, and Spotify. Go check us out um, and subscribe, rate, and review. Anything and everything does help. If it's a one-star, let us know how we can be better. If it's a five-star, let us know what we are doing that you like, and we want to continue to do that. Um, and also go check out fnxfitness.com, who is a great partner of ours. Uh, they have great workout gear, great workout supplements. Uh, so go check them out. Um, I can't wait. I know that, you know, we, the stay at home order here in California was kind of lifted. So I'm just like pinned to my phone waiting for the update of gyms are open. I'm like, yes. (laughs) So, so I can start using my, uh, my, uh, uh, proteins again and, and creatine and all that. But uh, Cody actually can tell you how you can get 15% off your whole purchase from FNX Fitness by simply using a awesome Drew Code code. So, Cody? That's right, guys. Go to DrewCodeSportsTalk.com. On our homepage, we have a partner's link that you click on. When you get to that partner's link, there's a special link for FNX Fit that you click on. It's a landing page made specifically for us. You do your shopping there. When you guys are done and you guys want to check out, you guys use the promo code DrewCode15 to save 15% on your total purchase. Definitely get in on that. They've got a lot of great gear. I've got a, a lot of their gear, their sunglasses, the hat. I have also this face guarder that kind of is a great workout, especially for, you know, when stay-at-home orders are somewhat lifted, you know, you got to wear masks. This one is super breathable material and it's very, very convenient. I know that Drew's super jealous every time we work out and I wear it because you know, he's got his mask and he looks uncomfortable. And then there's mine where it's just, again, super easy to wear, super breathable. So again, use Drew code 15 to get 15% off your purchase when you guys are checking out. Also, while you guys are on drewcodesportstock.com, you guys can actually click on any of the links that are live right there for the social media handles, such as Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You guys can also click on any of the links that you want to listen to the podcast on, whether you do Apple, Google, Spotify, or iHeart click on all that you guys can also subscribe to our youtube channel on the website or even better you guys can actually watch the videos and listen to the podcast on the website as well all you got to do is surf and visit it and just check it out on the site as well if you guys want to drop a comment or leave us a question or a suggestion there's a comment or a questionnaire box that is actually on the website drop your question in there if you guys want us to talk about it on the show or a topic and we'd love to go over them and do a whole show with that so please visit drewcodesportstock.com for all of that info. Uh, with all that being said, you guys, we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. We hope that you guys have a great and fun and safe weekend. Uh, please wear your mask. Be kind to one another. Also, just you know, love on your family and love on uh, people and just make them feel special. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you later. One last thing. Way to go, Tom Flores. Glad you're in the Hall of Fame. You're here. You're here.